You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to another special edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We told you that after the NBA trade deadline, we would get you a podcast, and Chris has found it in his busy schedule to give us some time today. So I'm your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor, who is in sunny Los Angeles, rainy Los Angeles. What's the yeah. weather out there today? Dude, 63 and sunny. It is amazing here in Beverly right. Hills. Love it. Love it. So the Cavs obviously taking on the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. And yesterday, a busy day for the Cavaliers in um, different ways. Uh, they started out pretty much, I think that was the first move kind of of the day. It kind of got the dominoes falling in what ended up being a really busy NBA trade, NBA trade deadline. Um, yep. A lot of players, a lot of faces, a lot of changed teams. It's, it was crazy yesterday. But the Cavaliers got it moving, trading JaVale McGee to the um, – Denver Nuggets for Isaiah Hartenstein and a pair of second round picks. So Isaiah Hartenstein, a young center. Um, so that kind of, we talked about that, Chris, in terms of like having a backup center and that's right. exactly what they brought in. Yeah. So um, I think what it's Hartenstein, by the way. Hartenstein. Okay. I think, thank you. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but everybody that I have talked to in the last 24 hours has pronounced it that way. So I'm going to go okay. with that one. All right, I, I believe you for sure. I definitely would believe you. Right. So, what did you think of the move for Hardenstein? They obviously get another, you know, a pair of second round picks. <laughs> what? Did I say no, it wrong again? No, you said it right. You said oh. it right. I could just tell that you were questioning whether you did say it right or not. It was yes. just the tone of your voice. That's correct. Correct. I'm always questioning what I'm doing um, because I never know if I'm doing it right. So, Isaiah Hardenstein. Comes in from uh, Germany, actually. Uh, he's a German-American player. Not from Germany, but his family is German. Um, and he comes in from the Denver Nuggets. Uh, what did you make of this move uh, in regards to JaVale McGee? I mean, obviously, JaVale, you put it at, I think you put it at 60% um, when we asked about, you know, what the Cavaliers, who were they were going to trade, what percentage would you give them in regards to a trade? Um, so it wasn't unexpected he was gone, but I thought it was a pretty good return. Um, for a guy that, yes, was very valuable for the Cavaliers, but also, um, you know, not long term. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we have to look at here, right? They um, they acquired JaVale in November. They knew what it was all about. They wanted his leadership. They wanted a veteran center. They wanted somebody to replace Tristan Thompson on the court and off the court, and they got that. So for five months of JaVale McGee, the Cavs added three second-round picks. 
I mean, yep. any general manager would sign up for that. Any general manager would be receiving praise for that. And for the Cavs to get Hartenstein on top of that, I mean, he is what he is, right? He's a 22-year-old, raw, developmental big. Yep. He's worth a shot. Maybe something is there. Maybe something isn't there. This allows the Cavs to play him at the five as opposed to Dean Wade, Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love. None of those guys are true fives. Now the Cavs have a true backup five. So I think the return for JaVale is better than what I thought the Cavs were going to get. I think internally, Hayden, they were looking at trying to get a second-round pick for JaVale. They got two second-round picks. And sometimes second-round picks don't actually materialize. They don't actually convey. Both of these second-round picks are going to convey. Denver is a good playoff team, so the Cavs are probably going to get more than likely, let's say it that way, more than likely going to get that pick from Denver. And then the 2027 pick is unprotected. It's just continuing to acquire assets for guys who don't have futures here if it makes sense financially to do so. And in the case of JaVale McGee, because his number was so low, because he was only making $4.2 million on an expiring contract, um, there was more interest, more real interest in him than Andre Drummond. It was just easier for opposing teams to reach that number, and it was easier for the Cavs to find a workable trade with what was coming back to them from a salary standpoint. So... I think they got more from JaVale than I thought they were going to get. And I think they did a really good job maximizing it. Three second round picks for five to six months of JaVale McGee, plus all the leadership competitiveness and lessons learned from JaVale over that time. I think that was invaluable too. Okay, so breaking news here. It is actually Hartenstein. Like an, uh, you have to do the SCH, the. It's not happening. The Hartenstein. No, that's not happening. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, Stein. I'm gonna Americanize it if I can. Oh, that's see, you're pulling a Francisco Lindor. You're being lazy. <laughs> you're being lazy. That's lazy. But that's, it's like that's we typical have, American laziness. <laughs> right, but we have the sound of it right, at least. Hayden. Yes, we do. <laughs> at least the ending of it. I was right on that. Stein. I told you were you. right on that. Yes. It's heartened. But <laughs> don't go. Isaiah, don't call him Francisco Hartenstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Too funny. But anyway, so I think the JaVale McGee experience, experiment actually went really well in, in every way, shape, and form. You talk about yeah. not only, you know, what he brought to the Cavaliers and, and what, you know, what he they got for him. I think the whole the whole thing was just a, you know, and we're going to talk about Andre Drummond and maybe the failure that that ended up being in terms of a couple things, but... Um, I think all in all, the JaVale McGee experience was a complete success in pretty much every way. I agree with that. Um, And I know you're about to get into Andre. Here's the thing that I keep bringing up, Hayden. So going into this trade deadline, I think internally the Cavs were saying to themselves, second round pick for JaVale, second round pick for Andre. And going into this trade deadline, I think that's what I was thinking they could get. I think that was the best that they could have gotten. If if they get two second round picks, does it matter how they got them? No. You know what I mean? Like if the no. net was supposed to be two second round picks for JaVale and for Andre, 
Does it matter that zero came in an Andre Drummond trade and two of them came from JaVale? No. Or is it more meaningful that the net is two second round picks? No, it's, yeah, it's it's the same thing. Correct. It's just, it's weird how it worked out. I mean, because like, as you said, they were kind of expecting the opposite when, you know, maybe JaVale gets bought out or whatever moves on and then they get a trade for Andre when instead it was the exact opposite, which again, it's, it's, they netted the same. You're right. It's the same gross netage that you would have, you know, for whatever, whoever the players were that got traded or bought out. So I think we can't lose perspective of that. That's all I'm saying. Like, here's yeah. the thing when it comes to Andre and the Cavs not finding a trade, um, First of all, we can get into the why of that. We can, and we're going to. Yeah. But it's like the optics are the only thing that's bad here, to me, anyway. Yeah. And I think that's because he has such a huge name. Yeah. But unlike Nikola Vucevic, unlike Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, like, that kind of trade was never going to happen with Andre, even though he was in the headlines, even though he had a big name. Right. You know what I mean? So, yep. like, yeah, like, his reputation put him out there as a bigger name at the trade deadline. But there were so many other factors that made him so much further down that list of potential trade options. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that um, that I do want to dive into because again, it it you're right. I think the optics are the worst part of it because again, if if you if we're being honest, if you just took their names away and um, you know they were player A and player B, and you mm -hmm. one player was on a low money deal and was a great team player, and you got you know you got a couple of picks for him, and or you got a couple of picks and a player for him, and then. The other one was a big money salary that you bought out. I mean, it just it doesn't it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But there are certain now optics are optics. You know, I think a lot of fans yesterday were not overly upset because I think, you know, I think they saw it coming. But, you know, there was some uh, there was some definitely some backlash, um, you know, from from fans. Why didn't this work out with Andre? Why didn't mm -hmm. you know, why didn't they get more for him? What, what, why was this such a. You know, why did they trade for him in the first place if they were just going to do this? You know, and, and you can, we can get into that and we are going to. No, let's it. let's do that. Yeah. So, like, what do you think the. Why do you think the, it, it ended up happening the way it happened in terms of not being able? I, I understand why they didn't weren't able to trade him. Just, again, a lot of salaries and didn't match up and whatnot. But why did it get to that point, I guess, is the question. Because the status quo changed. Yeah. Yep. Right. I mean, like, if, if we're going to talk about this in an honest, realistic way, then I think we have to go all the way back to last February, don't we? Yep. Okay. So at the time that they traded for Andre Drummond, what did they have on the roster? Not a lot. <laughs> First of all, they didn't have a, a lot of high-level talent. No. They had Tristan Thompson, who was heading into free agency. Ante Zizic. So they have an opportunity to get Andre Drummond, who this organization knows really well. Kobe Altman goes back to him, or goes back with him, to his time with Team USA Basketball, when Andre was a teenager. 
Yep. And they gave up nothing. They gave up nothing. They gave up two expiring contracts and Brandon Knight, John Henson, neither of whom are even in the NBA right now. And a second round pick that may or may not convey. So essentially nothing. And and you can say, well, what about the second round pick? Well, the Cavs have like 13 second round picks over the next seven years. So I think it's okay that they gave up one of them for Andre to make them more competitive and to see. Because here's the other thing that I think people can't forget about this equation. At the time that they traded for him, one, there wasn't a pandemic, which that changed things. That cut short the experimental time that they were supposed to have with Andre. And two, the Cavs were one of the worst teams in the NBA, Hayden, going into an NBA draft that James Wiseman was one of the top players in that draft. It was Anthony Edwards. It was LaMelo Ball. It was James Wiseman. And the Cavs wanted to see what it looked like with a player like James Wiseman. They wanted a head start on seeing if that kind of player could fit alongside Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. It was, in a way, information gathering for what was supposed to be two months at the end of the season. It was cut short because of the pandemic, so they didn't get that opportunity. But they still got valuable information about the kind of player that they need alongside Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and some of the young players that they're trying to build this franchise around. The other way that the status quo changed is Jared Allen became available in a trade. Right. We talked about this on the podcast. I wrote about this. The Cavs, in their big picture planning, were going to take a run at Jared Allen in free agency this upcoming summer. Mm -hmm. He was somebody who was near the top of their list. He became available to them about four months in advance of that. That changed Andre's status with the team. That changed how the Cavs viewed Andre long term. And, by the way, the Cavs learned by playing Andre at the end of last season, the beginning of this season, that they needed a different kind of center with Darius and Colin to maximize that young backcourt. They needed somebody like Jared Allen more so than Andre Drummond. They need somebody who's a pick-and-roll partner. They need somebody who's a lob threat. Andre's not that. They need somebody who's not going to swallow a bunch of offensive possessions. So if we're looking at that honestly, the entire picture of Andre getting acquired last February and then eventually agreeing to a buyout with the Cavs today, what did they miss out on? What was so costly about that experience? Nothing. And I mean, honestly, if we're really, I mean, yeah, the Jared Allen that completely shifted everything. So they, they ended up, they end up getting a long-term player that is young, is going to grow up with these guys. I mean, you know, and I think the minute that trade happened, you kind of had the feeling that Andre Drummond, you know, just, but again, how were the Cavaliers? Sure. I mean, the Cavaliers jumped on an opportunity. They didn't, you know, that right. I think that was the, the perfect opportunity to jump on. So right. they tried something out. It didn't, it didn't, or it was going okay. And then, you know, you bring in Jared Allen and then that changes everything. And so, yeah, right. I, I, I completely agree that it, it didn't really, aff- it just, again, I get I, it, for all intents and purposes, like, I guess the only thing you could even say is that it makes the Cavs look like, I don't know, a tiny bit dysfunctional, which doesn't, you know, but not like overly just, I don't, it's, there's really no glaring negatives to it. 
I don't see too many negatives, honestly. No. Again, if you want to say, well, the Cavs told everybody internally that they were going to be able to trade Andre and there was going to be a lot of trade interest for him, and then they had to turn around and buy him out, something that they didn't want to do about a month and a half ago. Okay, I'll listen to that. You're right about that. From that standpoint, it was a disappointment. Um, if their goal going into the trade deadline was to trade McGee and Andre, and they only traded one of the two, even though there are reasons that are sound for, for not trading Andre, and we'll get into those. But but if you want to say that their goal was to trade both and they only traded one, then yeah, you can say it was a failure from that standpoint. But the entire, the entire experiment gave them valuable information when it came to making better decisions in terms of team building. And, and who knows what we would be talking about today with Andre Drummond and, and his potential future with the Cavs and his fit with the Cavs and how competitive he makes the Cavs if they didn't acquire Jared Allen. Right. Sometimes things are what they are at one time and they become different another time. The pandemic changed maybe how many teams would be willing uh, to go a certain way in terms of moves that they want to make to improve their team, right? In terms of financial situations. Um, Giannis signed an extension with Milwaukee before this season, taking away some teams that maybe were looking for Andre as a salary dump. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a bunch of different factors that, that could have gone into it. Um, but I don't think them acquiring him I don't think it was a failure. I can't look at it that way. I don't think it blew up in their face. Again, optics are are bad. That's about it to me. Right. And, well, yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit. I guess like, but if it if it was meant to be, and I don't think it was. I think you're right. I think they were looking at it as more of an experiment than a you know than looking for somebody to be, to be there long term and to you know, to really play the, you know, just to be Andre Drummond for that, you know, for them and to really like provide a, a lengthy, you know, um, cornerstone piece, which I don't think Shoot, it, it could have been both, though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. It could have. Who knows? Right. Who knows what would have happened if they didn't acquire Jared Allen? Andre is yep. not somebody that I would have been willing to invest in, but they didn't know at the time that this young building block center was coming to them to shift focus. At the time that they acquired Andre, he was 26 years old. They knew that he was probably going to opt into his contract. So they were going to have him at the beginning of the season. And then they were thinking to themselves, okay, if it works, if it fits for us, if it fits for him, then maybe possibly we go the route of an extension. Maybe possibly we try and re-sign him in 2021 free agency. Right. Right. Absolutely. And it could have gone that way. But then again, it's then you sign a 22 year old or you trade for a 22 year old center who's, you know, going to grow with the, the core. And it just makes a lot more sense. You did say something um, about the good reasons or the, the, there were positives in not trading Andre. Yes. Um, get You want to get into those? Sure. So here's the thing. Um, I have been told that they had multiple um, teams that were interested. They had multiple deals on the table. 
But what I wrote February 15th, I think, when they decided to make the decision to bench Andre and go forward with Jared Allen, yeah. loomed over the entire Andre Drummond trade discussions with teams. Um, we knew this going in, Hayden. Matching $28.7 million was going to be complicated for other teams in the NBA. Yep. Because the guys that make that kind of money, teams don't want to give away, or teams are so interested in giving away because they have horrible contracts. So there are teams that were interested in Andre. Dallas was one. I was told Toronto was another one. The Cavs were prepared, I'm told, to be part of a three-team Kyle Lowry trade oh, if wow. that would have happened. So Dallas was another one. At the time, Dallas had James Johnson, which was an expiring contract, which they used on somebody else. And they had Tim Hardaway Jr. on an expiring contract. So let's just look at Dallas, for example. Mm -hmm. To get to Andre's $28.7 million, they didn't have one player that was going to do it because they weren't going to trade Kristaps Porzingis. Right. So they had to add a bunch of salary into a trade. Um, the guy who makes the second most for Dallas is Tim Hardaway Jr. at $18.9 million. But here's the thing. Dallas is pushing for a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a key piece of that rotation. Yep. So are you going to give away a key piece of your rotation for Andre Drummond? No. You're not going to break up your team. You're not going to break up your core. So you take him out of the mix, right? Now you start going down that list of other salaries that could match. Again, I mentioned James Johnson. He's no longer with the Mavericks. He was used in a different deal. He probably would have been part of it, but he was only 16 million. So now you're 12, 10 to 12 million short. Where are you going to find that? They're probably not giving you Maxi Kleber again because he's part of their rotation. And Josh Richardson isn't going anywhere because he's part of their rotation. So suddenly the Mavericks aren't really a logical destination because of what they would have to give up. And if you're talking about like other teams, Brooklyn wasn't giving you Joe Harris. DeAndre Jordan's contract is really, really bad. One that the Cavs don't want because it extends through the 2022-2023 season. And it really hamstrings some of the moves that they can make around this roster. So if I were to tell you that the Cavs had to take back a bad contract that extended into 2022-2023, and the only sweetener that they would have gotten for that, Hayden, was a second-round pick, would you have done that deal? No. So that's the thing. Like, was it really worth it for them to take a second-round pick if that meant taking such bad salary back in return? No. Especially, no. That's what they ran into every single time. And every team that made sense, again, like I said, Toronto, Dallas, it got more complicated with Dallas because of the second salary that they would have to include. In Toronto, the Cavs were waiting to be part of that as a third team. They were going to help facilitate that Kyle Lowry trade, I'm told. And Andre was going to be part of that, I'm told. Um, but that deal didn't happen. Kyle Lowry stayed in Toronto. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. To the surprise of many. But, it, you so, know, it does. You know, go ahead. 
No, I mean, I think to put it the most succinctly, the trade didn't happen with Andre Drummond because nobody could get to that salary number, 28.7 million, with the kinds of contracts that the Cavs were willing to take back if that meant only getting a second-round pick. The teams were interested. The offers were there. But logistically, it was just too difficult. That makes complete sense. And it, it actually, you know, like like we said, I think it, for all intents and purposes, I mean, the, it was, you know, an Andre, the Andre Drummond experience was an experience. It, I don't think it was a failure. I don't think it was a success, but it happened. And I don't think it's, you know, worse for the wear in terms of the Cavaliers. Um, it does, you know, make things a lot interesting, you know, a lot more interesting for some of the other teams in the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Miami Heat, the... You know, a lot of the teams that are going to speak with them, I heard Boston's going to be in there as well. Um, I mean, Boston couldn't even get there. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. In, in terms of the salary, Andre makes $28.7 million. He didn't fit in their trade exception, that massive trade exception that they had. Boston's not including Jalen Brown. Boston's nope. not including Kemba Walker. So the only one that would help be a starting point Boston probably is interested in Andre. He makes a lot of sense for a team that needs help inside. But they couldn't get there in a trade. The starting point in terms of financials would have had to been Marcus Smart. Are they going to give up Marcus Smart in a bigger deal to get Andre Drummond? No, of course not. He helps them um, in whatever it is their goal is this year, whether it's championship whether it's making the playoffs, every team has different goals. So that wasn't going to happen. We can go down the list, Hayden. Yeah. Charlotte uh, I mean, wasn't going to happen? What's nope. Charlotte going to give you to get up to $28.7 million? All right, so you start with Cody Zeller. That starts at 15.4. You got to find 13, 13 more million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a lot of money to try to find, you know. And you're not often going to trade players of big contracts if they're helping yeah. you. You're never going to trade, you know, if they're helping you. So the uh, Knicks made a lot of sense. I thought yeah. the Knicks would have been a really interesting suitor. Um, and, and they had the luxury of not having to match uh, the twenty eight point seven million because they're so far below um, the salary cap. So they probably only would have had to send out 14 million. But there's a wrinkle here involved. Um, the Knicks can offer Andre in free agency in the buyout market more than anybody else. True story. They're sitting but, on more money but, that way. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very true. But it seems like Andre's kind of looking more towards a, a top-of-the-line contender. And I know the Knicks you are having, would think. You Knicks would are, think. Yeah. But how many guys, as we talked about, get the veterans minimum and then turn around and get a contract in the offseason? It's a good point. It's a good so point. So that I think is what New York is thinking makes it competitive. Yeah. Again, I think he's going to the Los Angeles Lakers. It makes the most sense. They've got the biggest role available and they've got the best odds of winning the NBA championship. Two things that are really, really important. But the Knicks are a playoff team. It's a big market and they've got more money to offer than anybody else in the buyout market. That at least I think makes them competitive and it will allow Andre to listen. 
Yeah, he's definitely got choices. I mean, you got the Brooklyn Nets, you got Charlotte, you got the New York Knicks, you got Los Angeles Lakers, you got the Miami Heat. Like, there are a lot of options for Andre, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, it's funny that he and Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean, I guess Lamarcus is a little bit of a different player, but yeah, he is. Um, but much just, different player, yeah. actually. But I mean, it's again it goes back to like the the kind of traditional bigs in the in the way are just. It's crazy that we're kind of in a time where they're just not as it's. Like two, like back in the like what five years ago, Andre Drummond and uh, and uh, and Lamarcus Aldridge are you know top of the line NBA players, and look at you know five years later, it's kind of wild that they're getting bought out and, and getting to pick their destinations. But more power to them, and uh, we'll see where they end up. I'm assuming in the next couple of days, I don't think they're going to wait too long here. They want to kind of you know, say, say it again. Who Andre and his camp? Yeah, no, Andre and uh, and Lamarcus. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those guys will do their due diligence and they'll listen and they won't rush into a decision, but I don't think it's going to drag out. No, exactly. That's what I was saying. You know, they're definitely going to have, you know, meetings and and hear things out. But other than that, I think it's going to be pretty quick for them um, within, I don't know, what would you say, a week, less than a week? Uh, Probably less than a week, I would say. I would assume. Well, the current Cavaliers, as constructed with Isaiah Hartenstein, taking on the Los Angeles Lakers tonight, and uh, they just beat the Chicago Bulls. So, um, Chris, I mean, with with JaVale leaving, and obviously Andre Drummond didn't really, um, you know, wasn't really around too, too much, but with JaVale leaving and, you know, Kevin Love, you said yesterday, I believe, that he was he practiced in a non-contact practice. Yeah. Um, so... You know what does what does this Cavs team going forward? I mean, is it more of the same and just trying to you know get some of these guys back healthy and um, you know continue to push forward and improve internally? I mean, obviously Javale McGee provided them with leadership, provided them with kind of a, a spark at sometimes, um, which was you know maybe not surprising, but certainly um, he was a pleasant surprise for the Cavaliers in many ways. What are they going to miss most about not having Javale around? I think his leadership. I think his energy, I think his reliability of knowing what you're going to get from him on a night-in, night-out basis, I don't mean that from a production standpoint. Yeah. I mean that from an activity standpoint. I mean that from a focus standpoint. He knew what it took to be a champion. He knew what it took to have success. And I think he instilled that in a lot of the guys. And I think the other thing they're going to miss is quality backup center minutes you know isaiah now is 22 years old so you go from somebody who is like 33 years old stable um again he had javel moments even jared allen joked about that the other day yeah but you knew more about what you were getting from javel than what you're going to get from isaiah He's 22 years old. He's raw. He's developmental. He's still trying to figure it out. His everything with him is probably going to fluctuate on a nightly basis. And now you're just adding more youth to a team that is incredibly young and inconsistent to begin with. Yeah. And I think that's just going to add to it because you lost one of the guys who was kind of like that stabilizing support system. Do you think Hardenstein will play, you know, I mean, will he get consistent minutes? Will it just kind of be sparing? You know, are they going to try to see what they can, they, what he's got? Or are they just going to kind of work with him behind the scenes? Oh, no, he's going to play. He's going to have to play. Right. Yeah. 
It's going to have to. Otherwise, you're playing Larry Nance Jr. minutes at center. And look, you can do that depending on the matchup. You can do the same thing with Kevin Love and Dean Wade. Um, but it, but I look at it in a very similar way to, to what the Cavs were trying to do when they had to move Torian Prince to the four and Jetty Osman to the four. Remember that? Yes. Remember how tough that made things offensively and defensively? Because neither of those guys were fours. They're threes. And then all of a sudden, the Cavs put Dean Wade in there, a natural power forward, somebody who brings a skill set at least similar to Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr., and somebody who should be playing minutes at the power forward spot. And it just looked a lot different, right? It felt a lot different. I think I feel the same way about um, what it would do for the Cavs if they had to play big minutes um, for Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love, and Dean Wade at the five, as opposed to playing Hartenstein there. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, for sure. I think, you know, you mentioned that Kevin and, and Larry don't like playing the five. That's no, not their strong they suit. Don't. That's so. not a secret. No, so we'll see. We'll I'm see. guessing Larry Nance Jr. was one of the most thrilled people in the organization when he saw that the Cavs, well, it was probably a wave of emotions. He sees the Cavs trade JaVale, and he starts thinking, oh, man, now i got to play some five. All right. Reluctantly, I will, because I'm a team guy, because I'll do whatever it takes to win. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, he sees that Isaiah Hartenstein is attached to it, and he's like, yes, I don't have to play the five. We've got somebody to fill those minutes and bang with the big boys underneath. It doesn't have to be me. <laughs> that was Thank probably God. the way that he followed it on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh bleep, and then oh yay. We, we he's got to be a big fan of the, the big Hartenstein. I, I don't. We, I don't. We got to find a. We got to find a nickname. Yeah. That's what we can do. We can find a nickname like Heart or Hardy or Big Heart. I don't know. <laughs> they, they'll Does figure it. One? Out. I'm not familiar enough with him. I'm not familiar enough with the Nuggets to know if he even has one. Yeah, I have no idea. There's, I can tell I, you my Samsung Galaxy does not like his name. I was texting back and forth with scouts and executives yesterday, shortly after the trade, to try and get some information, and I kept sending to them harvesting. <laughs> harvesting? Yes, it converted. <laughs> that's it pretty converted good. Converted yeah, Hartenstein to harvesting yeah. every single time, and I don't know my Samsung Galaxy well enough to know how to like insert that name and have it, like, add to my dictionary or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So yeah, it just would not accept that that was his name. Well, it better start accepting it soon because I'm sure you're going to be texting it a lot more than you ever have in your entire life. So <laughs> your, your, your phone better figure it out. Yeah. In the meantime, everybody, um, I want to remind you that you should be signed up for uh, Chris Fedor's subtext, $3.99 a month. 14-day free trial, you will get all kinds of Cavaliers news, analysis, insight from uh, his sources. And again, you can do that by going to cleveland.com slash Cavs, and then you'll see the blue ba banner at the top of the page. All you got to do is click on that, and the instructions are pretty self-explanatory. So again, Chris Fedor subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial, and you will you would have heard about the JaVale stuff. You would have heard about the Andre Drummond stuff well before it hit Twitter, well before it hit Cleveland.com slash Cavs. So, again— They got the buyout information this afternoon before anybody else. There you go. Exactly. Great. Great. Exactly. Chris Fedor sends out—or Chris sends out the uh, 
the buyout news with Andre Drummond before anyone else. So it's a great idea to get it. Subtext, $3.99 a month. Again, go to cleveland.com slash Cavs and go to the top of the page where there's a blue banner. Click it and you should be good to go. Chris, before I let you go, because I know you got a busy day with the, with the game tonight. I know it's, you know, those it's it's 3.30 here locally in Cleveland. I know it's probably 12.30 over there. Yep. Um, and it's always tough with the late games, certainly, uh, for fans here in Northeast Ohio. But um, no LeBron tonight, no AD tonight. So um, maybe the Cavaliers have a chance. Normally, I would say, you know, it's a bit of a tough game being on the West Coast. But, sure. you know, I think and I think and I think the Lakers played last night. They did play last night. That's so correct. Second night of back to back. So we'll see what happens. But anything else you uh, you got for us before I let you go? Yeah, a couple things actually. Um, Torian Prince has missed a lot of time recently with a combination of injuries. Mm-hmm. It started with his ankle, and then if you remember, he came back, and then he hurt his ankle again, and then he was ready to come back again. And then he banged his shoulder pretty good in practice before the second half opener against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, they are comparing it a little bit, Hayden, to the Darius Garland shoulder injury that okay. kept him out. Remember when he banged his shoulder against the Atlanta Hawks and then he was out for, I don't remember, five or six games? Something like Something that. along those lines. But there is belief that Torian could be getting closer. Okay. Um, now, at the same time, like, his ankle is still kind of problematic, I'm told. And then there's a chance that this offseason they might have to do some cleanup on his ankle. Okay. So that's something to watch. It's not his shoulder only. It's like the nagging problems with the ankle combined with the shoulder. But there's some belief that he could be coming back soon. Um I have no idea when it comes to Kevin. Honestly, nobody in this organization knows. They keep saying they want him to be 100% and symptom-free after going through practice and shoot-around and things like that. And they don't want to push it. And they don't want to do the the 8 minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, the thing that they were trying to do at the start of the second half. They want him, like, ready to go. They want him close to 100% and ready to play, like, 18 to 22 minutes a night before they put him back out there. So everything that I've been told on that is that he's going to continue to ramp up his participation in practice and shoot around, and then the Cavs are going to go from there. All right. Um, But how his body responds, how he responds mentally, what he believes he's able to give, all those things are completely up in the air. And I mentioned this earlier today on a radio show. What I think is the biggest problem for Kevin is that he understands what a calf injury can turn into. Yeah. And as much as he would like to be out there and as much as he would like to be playing, like there are people that say that he just doesn't want to play. This is the best team that he's been on since LeBron left. Right. He wants to play with these guys. He'd love to be contributing with this team. You know, he missed only seven or nine games last year, something like that. If if there was a season to just like shut it down because he was so frustrated and he quote didn't want to play, it was last year. Yeah. It was last year because they were horrible. It was last year because they went through the coaching change. It was last year because he lost his buddy Jordan Clarkson. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is just Kevin saying, 
I'm so concerned that it's going to turn into my Achilles. And if my Achilles pops, my career's over. Yep. Yep, that's true. That's very true. So I just think he feels pain in his calf, and he thinks it's related more to the injury, and he thinks it's more of a setback than it is just soreness that's natural because you're coming back from an injury and you're old and your body's not going to recover in time. But that's not a decision that the Cavs can make, right? right. That's not a decision that J.B. Bickerstaff is going to make. That's a decision that Kevin has to make. Yep. That's all. Yeah. I And I get it. I get so it. So that's that. why it's so hard to put a timeline on that thing. Right. I certainly get it from his perspective. Um, we do have a little bit of breaking news. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein's nickname is Hustlestein. <laughs> so if you want to no, buy into that, if you want to no, buy into that, I Chris, it's on his Instagram. I mean, it's on it's his self, Instagram. Maybe it's on his self-proclaimed. Maybe it's a self-proclaimed nickname. Maybe it's something that one of his. He seems to have. So in looking at his Instagram page, he seems to have like you know some pretty. He, he has some good branding stuff. He's got a good like logo. So there's a post uh, from there is a host or a post from May fifth, twenty twenty, Cinco de Mayo, twenty twenty, uh-huh. and it says Oregon leading to Germany, determination leading to strength, forever hustling. Hashtag Hustlestein. Oh so, my God. so Hustlestein could be the nickname for Isaiah Hartenstein. <laughs> I've got news for you that that has not made its way to Basketball Reference just yet. No, it is not. I, I I did look at the basketball reference. I did not see it, but <laughs> we were wondering about a nickname, and now we got it. But, but that one doesn't help because you still have to pronounce the toughest part of the last name. That's true. That's You're true. trying to avoid that so that you're accurate with it. Yeah. Oh, some nickname. You, uh, you is it really it. a nickname when it's just as long as the last name? <laughs> that's a good point. That's a great point. No, I don't think it is. I think that's just, just a, what do they call it? A, uh, I don't know what the word would I be. I don't know either. Too funny. Well, um, as I said, the Cavaliers taking on the Los Angeles Lakers tonight without uh, Isaiah, excuse me, not without Isaiah, without JaVale McGee. Yeah, he's not going to play. And, yeah, not and not play. without Isaiah as well, but I was referring specifically to JaVale McGee and then obviously Andre Drummond making his decision. So it will not be, there will not be a Andre Drummond revenge game tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers unless something drastically no, crazy happens nope, and he nope, gets there. So nope, absolutely. No, he's got to clear waivers first. Exactly. So no, can't happen. Did you see his tweet? No. Did he tweet? Yeah, he cre- he tweeted that he was creating a new profile picture. Oh, and oh, and it says farewell. Yes, I got it. Yeah. So and he's, he's smiling. His shirt says farewell, and he's smiling. Well. Yeah, he's a brand ambassador for the company. Farewell. Oh, okay. So it's not really, but and he, well, he says Cleveland Cavs still on his profile. So I don't think it's like a. I don't know if it was like a dig at the Cavaliers. Maybe I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was a little bit petty. Yes. Maybe it was a little bit. But his new album is out now. If you wanted to go listen to Andre Drummond's music on all streaming platforms, you can FYI 2 is the album. So. Yeah. And like I said, he is like a brand ambassador for men's farewell clothing. Yes. It's which perfect, is, actually. Which is perfect. Yeah, which is quite right. Quite poetic if we really yeah. think about it. All right, Chris, um, enjoy that Los Angeles sunshine. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Um, 
you know, we'll see how this Cavaliers thing turns or this Cavaliers team does without JaVale McGee and with the addition of Hushelstein. I'm like saying Hushelstein. Yeah, right. Oh, boy. Isaiah. um, Isaiah. Yes, Isaiah. We'll go with Isaiah. The big Isaiah for now. Anyways. Um, thank you so much for joining us once again, and uh, please go check out Chris's subtext again, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. You will get all of your Cavaliers news, notes, information, insight, analysis uh, brought right to your phone in text message form. So again, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Chris, enjoy the beautiful weather in Los Angeles. We will do the same here in Cleveland. It's actually pretty nice here today. So um, let's have a good weekend. Right. All right, Sounds my friend. Good, man. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you soon. Take care.